0: Welcome to Houston
1: Sports Talk
0: with your host, Robert
1: Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston Sports podcast. We want to welcome aboard our brand new sponsor, Any Lab Test Now. I'll tell you more about them in a couple of minutes. Joining me is the man behind the Astros Future website, Jimmy Price. And for those unfamiliar, astrosfuture.com is your absolute best source for the Astros minor league system. Jimmy's been on with us for years and years, a number of different times. It's great to have you back on the show, Jimmy.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Glad to be on.
1: The most important player in the Astros organization that likely won't be ready to start the season, and I know you know this, and I know everybody knows this, is Forrest Whitley. He's had a bunch of setbacks over the last couple of years. How did you think the offseason went for him, and what's your best guess as to maybe when we'll actually see him up in Houston?
0: so I think right now projecting when guys are going to get called up is going to be difficult because, you know, we got a new GM in um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he, he works that. Uh, but Forrest Whitley had what we could all assume is a successful off season. Um, he went to the Arizona fall league, uh, made six starts over there and actually pitched really well against good competition. Uh, he reported a spring and, and, you know, he noted that he, I think put on 30 or 40 pounds and, and mainly as a way to, to try to maintain his, uh, you know, to stay healthy. So I, I've, I think you know he had a really good off season. I like what he's you know how he's came in into camp at a, at a heavier weight um, to try to maintain his health. I still think he's going to be a guy who you know they're just for the whole the whole um, uh, rules about you know player contracts and everything. He's not going to be on the opening day roster, um, but I do think based on his you know how he pitched last year, he's going to go back to AAA. Um, but hopefully, if he you know starts out well, has a few good starts, he'll, he'll get an opportunity to come up early. Um, If not, maybe in the summer. But, you know, I know we'll get into that in a little bit. But I do think that the Astros pitching death for that fifth spot is actually going to be is going to be a pleasant surprise. And it's going to, you know, help that they don't have to call up Whitley immediately because we have some guys who can step in.
1: This pitching staff's badly going to need reinforcements this season with McCullers and Marquini, who... You know, you can't expect them to pitch 200 innings. Whitley, Josh James, Austin Pruitt, those guys don't have the arm strength built up yet for a major workload. So outside of Forrest Whitley, what pitcher or pitchers do you think could have the most impact this year that might not be on our radar or may not even be on the opening day roster?
0: Well, I think everyone's got their eyes on on Christian Javier, and that's a guy who's been extremely successful in, in the minor leagues to this point. I mean, it, it's crazy when you look at his numbers and you wonder why is he not you know a top twenty overall prospect. And really, what it comes down to is his stuff is good, but it's not you know on the Forrest whitley type level. He's he's not a, a huge pitcher. He's not like you know six five six six type guy. But throughout his minor league career, he just he gets guys out. He's, he's got a last year between Double A AA or High Double A Triple A had a one point seven four ERA. Um, and that was across 113 innings, and he struck out 170. Um, he's got he's got good stuff. He's got a good curveball, and he knows how to he knows how to get guys out. He's got to work on his control a little bit. He puts a few too many guys on base uh, with the walks. But if he gets that under control, that could be a guy that we could see come up and really claim that number five spot. Uh, but just overall, I, I like I like the depth that they have. You know that they've kind of built you know there with like you mentioned with the Josh Ames, Austin Pruitt, uh, Framber Valdez. Um, and, and like you said, we're going to need him because, you know, our probably going to get a decent amount of innings, but you know, McCollars is going to be really limited and, and we've seen what the old, you know, what the old GM and everything would do with, uh, with guys who got injured and in, in the way they brought them back. So I'm interested to see how, how James click, how he, uh, how he handles McCollars moving forward. Uh, but like you said, obviously we can't expect him to, to take a full starter workload at this point.
1: And all the other noise this offseason, you know, and there's been a ton of it, we're going to get to the noise maybe a little bit later, but there are two rule changes that have flown under the radar. First of all, the big one, uh, we now have a 26-man roster, and, and that's obviously going to affect maybe the way things are going from the minor league to the major league level. But besides adding a player for every team, the relief pitchers are now required to pitch at least three hitters. How do you think the rule changes affect things both at the major and the minor league level, those particular ones.
0: Yeah, I like the addition of the twenty-six spot. I mean, any anything that gets extra guys onto the major league rosters is, is kind of a win for me. Um, so seeing that twenty-six spot is good, but I, I, it, I like it because it gives guys that are that are on the bubble, like uh, a guy like maybe Garrett Stubbs right now, who is the second or third catcher. Um, is also taking some, you know, getting some practice at second base. And if he can kind of build his uh, his versatility, then maybe he's a guy who can latch on at the end of a roster. But with that said, as the rule change you mentioned, that the the three batter minimum, it's going to make it uh, where you might need you know pitchers a little more because you're going to have to, you know, you're not going to have a guy that's going to go out there face one guy, come out, and he can go in and, and you know do that four or five times a week. You know, these if if you're facing three batters, you're probably going to need more time off. Uh, so that'll, you know, keep an extra that keep an extra reliever up on, on the uh, major league team, too, which is good for some of the young prospects. I mean, we saw what Brian Abreu did last year, uh, came up with his high 90s fastball and, and, and actually pitched pretty well at the major league level. So that's another guy that maybe he starts down in AAA this year. Maybe he, he finds his way in the bullpen. But that expanded roster could even help out a guy like him when you're trying to, you know, just trying to uh, keep a spot on the uh, on the major league roster. That's a that's a spot that can help out the guys that are on the bubble and help them get an opportunity to, to, to prove themselves at the major league level.
1: This idea of situational lefties, the Astros haven't been too concerned about it the last couple of years. Is that something that's just going to disappear like the dodo bird to a degree?
0: With this new rule change, it definitely makes it a lot harder. I think you're going to see we've already seen it before where you know managers will will stagger their lefty and their righty hitters to to avoid you know using the 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 uh the one out guy to get a lefty out and then or you know so he can't come in and mow down three lefties in a row well now i mean you know your lefty is going to have to come in he has to face three batters so if you have a Guriel you know batting after an alvarez it's not a you know not a, that's fine and that's even that's even better you know you bring the lefty to face alvarez who was really good against lefties last year be bringing the lefty to face him well that same guy, unless you know, unless the pitcher gets injured, he's gonna have to face Guriel too. So I think what it's gonna be, and it's gonna be like like you mentioned, the Astros have done the last few years, they they don't focus on, you know, putting a lefty against a lefty, they focus on who has who has good splits, you know, and if Davinsky with his uh, change up is is really good against left-handed hitters, and that's what that's what they're going to go with. So they look at the splits rather than rather than you know what hand the ball is coming out of, and, and that's kind of the way they attack the hitters, which is good because you know they the certain pitchers will have um, will have ways to attack lefties and righties, you know, and you just they're going to find the guys in the bullpen that that succeed at uh, kind of taking away what what the hitter strengths are, and they'll put them in the right spot to use them. And I think bringing in someone like James Click, which I know we'll get into here in a little bit. Ah, uh, but bringing in someone like him, I think, is going to be important too, because we we were able to see what he did with the Rays uh, pitching staff, and um, and you know, they they built a really good ball club over there.
1: Somebody like CNL Perez, I mean, does he still have a pretty good shot to make the roster? Do you think? And do you, do you, do you like him still?
0: I do. I mean, I think he's got some pretty good stuff. He, he's you know, he's small. He's throwing in the the mid to high nineties, and. Realistically, you know, when you had a the you know a lefty only guy, it might have had a better opportunity. Um, but I think he's gonna, he needs to, he's probably going to start the season in AAA, and he needs to go have some success because this year um, in the minors wasn't great for him. He had opportunity to, to come up and pitch, but um, just given you know the the potential that's there with his arm and stuff, I still think he has an opportunity to to make a roster. But I do think the the lefty the lefty one out guy is going to be uh, is going to be going away, obviously, because, you know, if you can't get righties out now as a lefty, um, then you're going to have a hard time finding
1: a job, you know, going back to this bullpen, because we are talking about these type of guys. And I just it make, makes me think of Will Harris and, and the loss and what he means to the bullpen, because, I mean, I, it feels like a guy that we've sort of taken for granted over the last few years. Do you think a, an Abreu could step into that role? Or who is the guy do you think most likely to step into the Will Harris role that, you know, you could just kind of count on him around the seventh inning to, to hold things together?
0: I'm hoping Josh James takes the, the step forward to be that that uh that mid uh high leverage point, you know, not the closer, but a guy that you can count on to come in and get guys out in, in big situations. Um I know, you know, Will Harris kinda um I you know, on Twitter and stuff, you see a lot of a lot of people hating on him and, and everything. But you go look at his numbers and what he was able to do over the last uh, you know, five years in Houston. And it was it was truly phenomenal, really. And and uh, I think you you hit it on the on the head when you said that he was kind of taking for granted what he was able to do and the way he pitched in the postseason for us too. So um that's gonna be a big loss. I do think we have plenty of arms that can fill in uh in the bullpen, but there's there's something about, you know, having guys that have, have been there and they've done it um and they've had success. Um, you know, versus throwing a guy out there who's maybe 22 years old and has never really pitched in the seventh inning before. Um, but Josh James, I'm hoping is a guy that can, if they don't plan on using him in the rotation, is a guy that can hopefully take a step forward to be that consistent reliever because, you know, we're going to need one now with, uh, you know, with with him uh, with um, Harris being in in Washington.
1: It almost wasn't fair because Harris would get criticized for you know kind of slowing down or falling apart maybe in September or October, but the problem was he was the guy that they counted on to have so many appearances during the race. You know, he was the one making more often than not the big appearances in really big situations in the seventh inning or the sixth inning of a ball game, like stressful, sometimes more stressful than the closing, you know, position.
0: Definitely. Yeah. He, there's uh, there's plenty of times that, that he was brought in, you know, it's a two run game. Bases are loaded one out and they bring Harris in, in the sixth inning, you know? And yeah, he's a high leverage guy and people think high leverage late, late in the game, but that's a high leverage point. Um, and AJ Hinge wasn't afraid to use him in that situation. So no, we're, we're definitely going to miss what he was able to bring to our team.
1: Tons more to talk about before we go on, though. I, I want to talk about any lab test now, any lab test now, which I've actually visited before, really found super easy and convenient. So here, here's what you do. If you don't know about it, any lab test now provides direct access lab testing that makes it easier for individuals to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Now, what does direct access mean? Direct access means you can just walk into any of their 15 Houston area locations, select which lab test you want completed, and you're in and out in as little as 15 minutes. They can provide the doctor's order or accept your physician's order. So if you're uninsured or you have a high deductible insurance and you're trying to manage your healthcare budget, which so many of us are doing these days, and take advantage of the many lab test options any lab test now has to offer, HSA and FSA cards are accepted. Most results are ready in one to three business days and can be sent directly to your email, giving you the information you need to take control of your health. Check out their website, www.anylabtestnow.com. That's www.anylabtestnow.com. Like I said, I've visited it. I've used it. It was so quick and so convenient. I really would recommend it to you. Jimmy, every offseason on AstrosFuture.com, you break down the top three players at every position in the minors. The weakest position at the major league level, in my mind, is catching. How strong is it on the minor league level? Is last year's first-round pick, Corey Lee, the biggest hope?
0: He's definitely the biggest hope, and I think he's got the the highest ceiling um, right now, you know, as a in the catching position in, in the minor league – Astros minor league system – um but it's not it's not only based on the fact that he was a first round pick. I mean he was a first round pick for a reason. He he actually performed really well last year um you know following the draft. But they also got another guy who's been in the system a little while, but um is finally starting to, to make way, and that's Nathan Perry, who is uh who's a big left-handed hit and catcher. Um he's got a, he's got a lot of surprising pop. Um he just played in rookie ball, he's making his way up, but that's another guy that you can definitely look look to, you know, to to project for the future. Um, I still like Garrett Stubbs. I know he's, you know, we've seen him up and down a little bit, um, but an athletic catcher. And and I think just in general, in in baseball right now, you, you you see how difficult it is to find a full, you know, a full, um, you know, a catcher that's going to, you know, catch 140, 150 games. It just doesn't, doesn't really happen. You, you, especially if you look around right now and just try to drop the best catchers in the league. And it's hard to name, you know, five of them that you could say, these guys are, you know, um, clear upgrades over everyone in the league. So, uh, I think the goal is, you know, to continue to bring in guys who are good defensive uh, defensive players. And Corey Lee has that makeup to be a uh, to be a good defensive catcher. Um, but he's also got a lot of potential with the bat when it comes to power and everything. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do this year um, as he makes his full season debut.
1: You know, I was really thinking about this as far as the catching position. And let me know what you, you know, kind of what you think about this. But I, I kind of think in the next five years, the the defense at the catching position is not going to be as valued as much either in the draft or just period, because we seem to be moving pretty quickly towards the possibility. And, and I think this is going to happen that we're going to have a, an electronic strike zone. So pitch framing is not going to be what it used to be. And also, Jimmy, I think there, what you're going to see is as the pitch framing doesn't become uh, as it becomes less of a big deal. There's also the potential that if, if there's some sort of an electronic system with how you call pitches and stuff like, maybe maybe that becomes more of a manager thing. I mean, I, I still feel like the, the catcher feel is going to have something to do with all that. But if that's a, if, if that's more of a managing thing and pitch framing is is more of something that is is eliminated than, you know, next few years, I, I could see where people go, well, I just need maybe him to be able to stop balls, you know, that are, could be potential wild pitches. But that's about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a fair assumption to make, especially if the the pitch framing, like you said, is going away, and you know, people throwing out the ideas, especially with all the stealing and stuff. Of is there a way that they can, you know, make uh, communicate where the catcher doesn't necessarily have to call a game, like you said, like a manager's calling a game essentially for him now. I do think that is a, is a factor. Uh, up until then, I think teams are going to value you know defense at the catching position. I think we've seen it with um, you know with, with the, the the moves that they made with keeping Maldonado and everything. Um, and and pitchers get comfortable throwing to certain guys and, you know, and having the the confidence that that guy's going to call a good game and and block balls for him. Um, But it will be very interesting to see, you know, how, how the league changes and progresses over the next few years to see if, um, if some of these traits that we value right now in a catcher do, you know, tend to go away.
1: How do you feel about the hiring of new GM James Click? Is there, is there anything you see that the Rays do differently on a prospect level that we've seen, with luno something different that maybe luno has done over the last few years
0: you know i haven't paid uh, enough attention really to their system to to say and um i need to go look i want to see how they how they kind of manage their guys throughout the season but obviously the the main thing that that we have seen that they've done and we've seen it plenty we saw it in the postseason is the the um the the opener role that they have and, and i'm sure they've groomed pitchers to kind of to kind of take that role where you're you're bringing in um, guys who maybe could be starters, but you're using them as a as a two or three inning and getting getting the most out of a guy for two or three innings versus stretching him over six innings where maybe he's not as effective. I don't think the Astros are going to go straight to using an opener position. I think the Rays did it, you know, mainly based on the the fact that they didn't have the starting staff that the Astros did. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see if we if we end up doing something like that and how he how he uses some of our starting pitching and just, you know, does Brian Abreu maybe become a guy like that, that he wants to use for a, a two or three inning role. So other than that, I mean, I think, you know, it's going to take a little while to see what he, what he wants to do. You know, Luna is gone. Click is in. But besides that, as far as we know, a lot of the scouts and stuff have stayed the same. So I know he'll have a, a, a decent amount of pool, but, you know, the scouts, what they like now or what they were liking with Jeff Luna they're still going to like now. So it'll be interesting to see how he how he approaches, uh, you know, the first draft this summer to see what kind of players they target. And um, if they're, you know, going for the high upside or low floor. I mean, I think we've seen over the last few years that the Astros system has been. Um, stock full of, of um, college pitchers. And that's the way that it seemed Jeff Leno wanted to do it. Is he, he got college pitchers that had um, had stuff that could be worked with, and they've turned them into to very, uh, very good prospects. And if you go look at the Astros system, which here soon we'll be talking about the pitchers um, on, on the site, um, if you go look, there's a, a ton of pitchers. That uh, you know either had some some success in college, but had promising stuff, and then it came to the Astros system and is, has have really blossomed because the Astros have been able to use it effectively and get them to throw the pitches that are you know that are uh, more effective than whatever their other pitches are. So this year will be telling to see see what Click does, to see how he he manages the, the minor league system, to see if he continues with the piggyback that the Astros use with the, the pitchers. At this point, I really don't know exactly what his plans are and how he's going to do it. Um, but I have confidence in him as a as a general manager, only because of what he what you know what he did with Tampa Bay and and they built a good a good ball club over there with a a lot lower payroll.
1: Any concerns about Dusty Baker as a manager?
0: Not really. I think I think he's the perfect fit for this for the position that the Astros are in. You know they needed somebody to come in who, in my opinion, is good with the media because he's going to take harsh questions but we've already seen that dusty baker is well respected with the media well respected in the league with the players i think the players have his respect you know if you bring in some young first time you know coach who's never been around this and and he tries to go in there and tell the guys you know hey we got to focus we got to do this i think you would have a hard time doing it but you know you bring in a, a veteran like dusty baker and he goes in and is talking to these young players that have been through this you know these uh through what we went through the last off season, I think he's already got the respect and he didn't have to fight and, and, you know, and battle for that. So I think that's a, I really think it's a perfect hire for what the Astros are looking for this year. Everyone's concern was, well, I don't want him to, you know, run our pitches ragged or whatever, but it sounds like some of the comments he's even made in, in, in spring training is that he's, he's learned through his past mistakes. Um, So I'm interested to see how he, how he does this year. But I think, I think the hire is perfect for what the Astros
1: needed. I want to give you just a couple of quick hitters and, Don't think too hard about this, but who do you think will be the Astros' fifth starter?
0: Starting the season, I'll go with uh, Austin Pruitt.
1: Is Josh Reddick going to finish the year as an Astro? Uh,
0: I will say yes.
1: All right. Here's the the big question, I think, uh, that people might be wondering. Why hasn't he asked uh, Jimmy about this? What do you think about how this whole cheating thing has been handled, I guess, both by the Astros – by local media, by national media. Uh, I, I, I can tell you that uh, I'm, I've just been a little bit frustrated by the way everybody's handled it. It's, it's. I, I don't put it on anybody in particular that they've done a good job, but w- w- what do you feel about how the whole thing's been handled?
0: I mean, you talk about a tough situation and, you know, and, I, and obviously I have some bias and I'm not, I'm not going to try to hide that at all. And I, I don't think it's an Astros only issue. And I think it's a league wide issue. And, I think the, you know, um, Robert Manfred wanted to come down hard on the Astros to hopefully try to put a stop to it. But I think you've seen a lot of national media take small clips of what people have said and try to run with them. And I mean, this has been one of the biggest baseball, biggest sports stories in in a long time. And clicks are are how they get money. And I think that they you know, these these headlines and and the stuff that they're putting out there is is drawn a lot of people wanting to click and, and see what's going on and, and read. And you take three or four words from Bregman about what he said about the cheating thing. And, you know, you turn it into that he's not remorseful or not, uh, you know, sorry about it or whatever. And and you and I, I watched the presser. And I, I mean, when you go up there and you read a, a scripted apology, it doesn't look as good. I think they did a lot better when they went into the locker room and took the questions with no, no paper right in front of them. And that could have been handled a little bit better. And Jim Crane, you know, he he said some comments that didn't look good necessarily for him, of the way he answered questions. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's trying to protect his organization and, and protect the players, too. So I think overall the, the local media has been fine. I, I've listened to the radio quite a bit, and, and to me, none of the stuff that they've talked about has been bad. I, I just think the, the the hardest part for me that I've seen is – um, like Jeff Passan, for instance, you know, he he had an article back in 2017 talking about the, when the Red Sox and, and the Yankees got caught up in their little thing and the Apple watches and stuff. And he basically says, you know, every team does it. It's not that big of a deal. The MLB is they have basically made this happen by putting the, the TV monitor right outside the dugout. It's not a big deal. Technology is just going to continue to make you know things worse. It, it basically just kind of downplayed the whole cheating thing. Well, then, you know, fast forward two, three years. You know the Astros thing happened, and now he's acting like it's the biggest deal in the world. And you know they need to, the the title needs to get stripped. And just to see the the change in mindset over what he was what he was then versus what he what he is now. And maybe this is my bias talking, but I I understand why they wouldn't want to focus on a New Yorker in L.A. because those guys drive ratings for their respective coast. And you know Houston is just down here, and they're getting ratings by talking bad about Houston. You know if they talk bad about you know one of the one of the East or West Coast teams, it, it, maybe. it maybe it doesn't help them like it is, uh, you know, help the uh, help right now, you know, hating on Houston. But to say, I also think that, you know, the Astros overall are getting an unfair amount of hate when, when I do think it is more of a league wide problem, especially, I mean, like yesterday and today that they announced the lineups for the games in spring training and guys are getting booed. That weren't even, they either weren't in the Astro system or they weren't even on the major league team in 2017 and they're getting booed and getting called cheaters and stuff. And, and I, I know you've seen all the, the death threats that Josh Reddick and, The other players have gotten, and it it just seems like this this whole thing has continued to to snowball and turn into this huge issue. When if you really bring it all back, you know it's players cheating at a a game, and I and I know it was a big deal, and I know it led to them eventually making the World Series, and you could argue that it helped them win the World Series. But I I just think that it's been good for ratings. It's it's been good. People say it's bad for baseball, but realistically, it's gotten people talking about baseball. And you know, Manfred maybe hasn't handled it right with the way he did his investigation and everything, but. Overall, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for meaningful games to start. I'm ready for the Astros to go out there and, and win games and, and shut people up. But I know we're going to have to hear about it. Anytime a guy strikes out, anytime the Astros get one hit, you know the, the comments are going to come out they don't have the buzzers they don't have the trash cans but just overall it, it's been a it's been a crazy off season i think it affected the way the astros approached the off season you know they lost pitchers the one they brought in was austin pruitt uh blake taylor was another one i just think it's it's really thrown the whole organization for a loop and um i know it's thrown the fans for a loop and I, i'm ready to just kind of like i said just to get into some meaningful baseball and hopefully the astros start winning some games and and people will will kind of start to quiet down about it uh, i don't get my hopes up about that but that's that's hopefully <laughs> I'm hoping it'll go that way.
1: I've heard this before about Manfred and people don't like the way he's handled it. What should he have done? Because that's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, there, there, I did hear, you know, Jonathan Lucroy said, we we went to them back in 19 or, or not 19, uh, 2017. Uh, we, we went to the commissioner's office about the Astros back then. And maybe he should have been on the case a little bit earlier and sort of kind of nipping this type of stuff in the bud, but I felt like he tried to do it with what he said publicly and and, and sort of uh, telling the, the teams that back in the t- 2017. W- what what should Manfred have done differently with this investigation or just the whole thing in general? Right. So I think what some
0: – at least what I'm gathering is if it appears some people are either, one, they're unhappy with the investigation he did, thinking that, you know, obviously the punishment he left the, let the Astros off easy and that he didn't investigate 2019 hard enough. Um, and that's why they still think there's these evidence of buzzers and everything. The only thing I, you know that I really didn't like what I saw when when he asked well the questions were asked. Well, can you say they didn't use buzzers? I said, well, I can't one hundred percent say they didn't use it. it. It just it leaves room for speculation. It leaves room for these Twitter warriors to get on and find videos of Jose Altuve not wanting his jersey taken off, or a piece falling off of you know Trinos bat in the World Series. But overall, I, th- I think some people are frustrated that he didn't. You know, like you said, act on this. Some of the stuff that was provided to him in 2017, uh, and they think that he's only he only acted on now because you know Mike Fires went out, and made it public, and that's why he cared about it. Um, but it also seems like you know there is evidence of other teams, and I know right now they're doing the Red Sox investigation. It's not over, but it, it seems like there's evidence of other teams. I mean, Joe Girardi, you know, uh, you probably saw the video that he said something on on MLB Network about it, and I think people just either feel he's you know and this is the way any investigation goes, doesn't matter if it's baseball or civilian life or whatever, but, you know, they feel that, you know, he's biased and he's only investigating the Astros. And then the other people come out and say, well, he's, you know, he's only, you know, knocking the Astros for 17 and not, you know, he's not finding nothing in 19. So realistically there was no win-win situation for him right here. If he would investigate the whole league, then he would have had all the fans mad at him. If he would have, you know, came out and, and, you know, basically said that, Oh, well, you know, it happens all over the place. It's not a big deal. And people would have been mad. at him. I, he was in a, he was in put in an extremely difficult spot. Maybe he could have stopped this if he did a hard investigation in 2017, maybe not, but realistically, I, I don't think there was much more he could have done to try to, to try to prevent this from snowballing to where it has at this point.
1: Yeah, I just – I don't get a lot of that stuff. I mean, some of the things you said, uh, why why would he want to go after the Astros and the Red Sox and basically invalidate two of the last three World Series? If you're Rob Manford, that seems like – that seems like the the obvious not thing that you would want to do if you're trying to cover something up. As far as the other teams, I think he's just waiting for more stuff to come out. But, you know, he immediately – Addressed the Apple watch thing as quickly as mm-hmm. he could. And I think he handled that, that all correctly. And I, I just don't understand this whole, you know, all the players from the other, other organizations saying, Hey, what, why didn't the players get, well, because he gave them immunity. Well, why did he give them the immunity? You got to ask, well, he gave them immunity because they, they wouldn't have said anything otherwise. If, if you're, exactly. if you're a liar or a cheater, wh- why are you going to say something uh, if if it's going to mean losing money or losing games or losing your job or whatever, you're not going to say anything. So I, I I don't understand what all these players are talking about. Um, and if you're Rob Manfred and you go back on that after giving them immunity, then no player ever is going to cooperate w- with you on any investigation. And you're never going to get the respect of the players period. So, yep. you know, this guy is a lawyer. <laughs> He's a guy that these owners thought well enough to where this guy's somebody that they figured was going to cross all T's and dot all I's on on any type of investigation. So I, you know, I think this—he's been put more in a rock and a hard place than anybody. And and honestly, he's done things quicker, and the punishments have been heavier. And and the stuff that he's done has been, um, I, I think, better than anything that was done in the steroid era with Bud Selig, who I thought handled that extremely poorly.
0: And and I agree with everything you're saying there. I, I think he's, he's done what he can, but like you said, he was in a tough spot and, and yeah, you know, like you said, the players want the other players on the Astros punished for their role. But the only reason they spoke is because, you know, they were given immunity and if, if he wouldn't have given them that, then they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have came out and admitted fully admitted everything, which is, which is obvious. You know, people are going to try to, like you said, protect themselves and, and make sure that they still have a job at the end of the day. So he comes out, he gives immunity. And, and I think, um, you know the punishment for the players, is regardless of the suspension or whatever that that isn't there. I think the punishment has still been pretty harsh, just just based on the public backlash that they're receiving. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think he's he was put in a tough spot, and realistically, any decision he made was gonna get was gonna get picked apart by somebody somewhere in the country. So um, you know, just like it is in the world right now, you can't please everybody, and, and that's kind of the position he was put in.
1: And unless I miss anything, as far as two this whole conversation about two thousand and nineteen the only thing that i know about that is some somebody made up a fake twitter account and and accused altuve and that's what that's what this whole conversation has been i haven't heard any other player i haven't heard any other anybody else that's legitimately come forward and said i know there was buzzers so i i don't know what that's about
0: yeah it's just, that's the speculation thing and then you get you know people like john boy over in new york that that come out and they you know, he starts breaking down videos about why this happened and this happened and this and all that. And it, there's there has been no real evidence. It's all been speculation, but uh, people have been eating it up. And, and you know, <laughs> you can't get on Twitter without reading something about a buzzer or a trash can.
1: Oh, I, I want to ask you one thing about Altuve. You know, I, I was on another podcast recently talking about him. And, and, I you know, I said, here here's the deal. You know, maybe Jose Altuve, if he didn't believe in this, should have got up in front of everybody. But that's one thing I don't know. If if I'm in that situation, you know, maybe Jose Altuve did. Maybe by not doing anything, he thought he was making the statement as a leader. Beyond that, I don't know what people would expect of Jose Altuve because I think this whole situation is going to be held against him through his entire career. There's going to be a lot of people that said, oh, well, he was the leader of the team. He should have done something to me. AJ Hinch is more the leader that, that, that was, it was on AJ Hinch to get in front of the team and get in front of it and say, we're not going to do that. And this isn't acceptable, but I, I don't know what an Altuve is supposed to do there. The other teams want him to go to Rob Manford and, and just tell, you know, tell on his teammates, you know, like if you're Jose Altuve, what do you do?
0: Right. And I think that's, I think people expected him to to be the one to come out and say, guys, we're not doing this. But if they say, Sorry, Jose. We're gonna do it. Yeah. Then what do you do at that point? You know, do you, do you ruin the season that you're having, the 2017 season, and and go, you know, tell Manfred, hey, this is what's going on, because um, obviously your coach doesn't care about it. You know, and I like AJ Hinch, and I think he's a great manager. He seems he seems like a great person, but at the end of the day, he's just as much as fault as, as any of the other guys, and a lot of people have been defending him. But you know, if you're the manager, you can't just you can't just you know say, oh, I smashed a couple TVs. And that was my way of trying to tell him I didn't like it. You know, if you didn't like it, then you got to put it out there as the, as the leader. Now, if it's coming from above him and, it, you know, the general manager, Jeff Luno's is, is wanting this to happen, then it, it kind of puts him in a tough spot. But then that's, I guess, he's kind of in the Jose Altuve spot, right? Where the boss above him is wanting it to happen. If he doesn't want it to happen, he's kind of, you know, what does he do? Does he go to, the, do, you know, does he go to the commissioner and, and try to complain on it? Or do you just try to let it happen? And And really, I think it was, it comes down to a culture, you know, and I think that the Astros bred this culture that, you know, you do whatever it takes to win. And it, it came from the GM down. It was accepted. And the guys that didn't want to do it basically just, you know, put their head down and played hard like they always do. And the other guys just continue doing their thing. And I think that's what Jim Cain has referenced where he says, you know, we're changing the culture. You know, they got rid of the coach, got rid of the GM and basically you're getting rid of anything that has to do and that that were tied to the system essentially. So I think a, a culture issue, you know, made it a big deal. You you see the numbers. A lot of players used it. So Altuve also probably thought, well, if I if I tell them I don't like it and they continue doing it, which maybe he did, or if I go tell the commissioner, I mean. These guys are his best friends. You know, they've been playing together for years, and he's going to go, you know, potentially get them suspended or or whatever. So just as Manfred was in a tough spot, I think, you know, the whole situation put Altuve in a tough spot, put A.J. Henson in a tough spot. And and just overall, it's just, I mean, it's just a bad situation. Um, you know, obviously, I wish it never would have took place. I mean, it's it's a. I, I don't think the the World Series is tainted, in my opinion. I think there's a stain on it. I don't think it's tainted. I, I think the team was talented enough to win it by themselves. I think they they win it or they won the games. You know, despite um, the trash can banging and all that. But overall, it just you know it just put the stain on the the whole season. But you know, you can't take away the the happiness and the joy that you know the city had during that time. You know, like I like I was saying, I'm just ready to to really get into April, get into some meaning, meaningful baseball, and hopefully we can start to put it in the rearview mirror just a little bit.
1: Before we go uh, anything you, you want to mention about what's going on on astrosfuture.com, any stories, maybe a player, somebody that we, we might've missed in the conversation.
0: Like you mentioned, we're doing the top three prospects uh, at each position. Well, uh, tomorrow we we'll, we'll putting out the top outfield prospects. We're going to do five of them since the, the position's a little deeper. But we are working on some stuff. we got a, a piece on Christian Javier coming out. Another thing that we're, we're excited to get going is we are, are partnering with somebody to do some merchandise, so we have shirts and, and stuff like that. But other than that, yeah, just just we're ready for the, the season to get started, spring training to get rolling, and, and starting to look at more of the prospects and which guys are really going to make an impact this year.
1: You just want to talk some baseball, right? <laughs> it's about That's that right. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> some real baseball, finally. Well, thanks so much, Jimmy. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thank you. Last thing uh, before we close the show, just a quick reminder that we're brought to you by Any Lab Test Now. They're quick and easy to get direct access lab testing when you're trying to manage your healthcare budget. You've got 15 Houston area locations to choose from. Check out their website at www.anylabtestnow.com. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk.